This is the, this is the Skate Podcast with your host, WEEI.com Bruins writers, Brian DeFelice, Bridget Prue, and Scott McLaughlin. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome to episode 192 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. We have a game seven. Round one, the best season Regular season in the, in the history of the NHL, and the Boston Bruins are going to Game Seven against the Florida Panthers. Which, look, every every playoff series you can't take for granted. It's just not how they drew it up. There's, they lost seven to five. It was six five with an empty net down in Florida for the Panthers to force Game Seven. And believe it or not, Bridget and Scott, last night I was just so beside myself at at just how this Bruins team just keeps finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot. And if we recorded last night, I probably would be acting like the sky is falling. Fortunately, we got a nice sleep to, to sleep on it. And I really – I still think the sky is falling a little bit. But there, there is a lot – there are a lot of positives to take from this game, in my opinion, like which we'll get into. But, of course, there are a lot of negatives, a lot of negatives. So we'll dive into all of that. Bridget Scott, just your initial reactions to this series going seven. Well, I'm glad you got your beauty sleep, Brian, and that you're feeling a little bit better this morning. <laughs> I don't feel great, but there there are some positives that I last will night say, I wasn't thinking of. I woke up feeling no better about what happened in game six because it's it's so uncharacteristic that and there's just too much to talk about. Like I know we go long sometimes, but this I hope we don't like it. We could talk about this game for a week probably and lucky for the Bruins uh it's right now we're recording it's Saturday morning and the talk shows don't start back up again like the, the main talk shows don't start back up again till after game seven because I can just hear what was what's going on and and I know I feel like Adam Jones is just yelling takes at himself in the mirror this morning um and he's he gonna call into Sunday skate he's gonna because him and I got into an argument two weeks ago at the beginning of the playoffs um I was on with them and we were in an argument because he said that Bruins goaltending is the thing he's most concerned about and I told him he was stupid <laughs> and look where we are now like I, the blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes I guess uh the Bruins did this to themselves it didn't make any sense to me that goaltending would be the biggest issue right the turnovers maybe like um the blips in focus sure I, I you know sometimes that happens and Florida putting on a lot of pressure forcing mistakes could have seen all of that did not see the goaltending being this bad right now and also thought we'd see Swayman by this point and we probably should have in game six and Montgomery after the game said he thought about switching goaltenders and he he was asked when he didn't really give a, a full answer but it, he said after the the first period at some point so um, I'm not sure exactly when, but Almar clearly didn't have it from the beginning. He could not hold on to a puck and, um, it ended up being a high scoring game. Not surprisingly with the way that he was playing, the Bruins gave up quite a bit of goals and all, almost all of it self inflicted really all of it self-inflicted. Yeah. It's, it's self-inflicted on and off the ice on the ice. As we talked about after games two and game five and can talk about again, just brutal turnovers, brutal defensive zone play. Two of them from Connor Clifton in game six, leading to goals. Another shift where that Clifton-Forbert pairing got 
pinned in their own zone and, and they're chasing the play. They're both below the goal line at one point. Guys open it up front. Um, McAvoy and Orlov got scrambly on one of the goals where they both end up kind of out of position. McAvoy uh, allows Barkov to get in, inside position. He ends up being the goal scorer. Um, yeah, just so sloppy. The Allmark clearly off his game. Got beat by a couple stoppable shots. Bridget, you mentioned he couldn't seem to squeeze the glove, like had several shots just bounce out of his glove that created some unnecessary chaos. Um, You know, I think it's now been a couple games that he hasn't looked very good. And then the off the ice stuff, the, the coaching, the personnel decisions. Yeah. I think not playing Swayman at some point in the series was a mistake. And, you know, Look, like I, I obviously advocated for just keeping the rotation. Um, even if you don't do that, though, they've said all along they're comfortable with either goalie. They'd be okay with turning to Swayman. They have trust in him. He was just as good as Allmark the second half of the season. And their actions haven't backed it up. There's been several opportunities to get Swayman into the series. And outside of three minutes after Allmark, you know, takes a misconduct for trying to fight Kachuk, Swayman hasn't seen the ice. You know, he could have been in after game two. He could have been in while Allmark has, was clearly dealing with something. He was a game time decision at one point, you know, at, going into game three. You could have gone to Swayman up three to one. You could have gone to him after game five when Allmark had struggled. You could have gone to him at almost any point during game six, make an in-game change. And now you leave yourself in this position where for game seven, it's either stick with Allmark and, pray to God that he turns this around or you go to a Swayman who's coming in cold and has faced a grand total of one shot and goal in game action in the last two weeks. And there's, there's plenty of other, you know, personnel things there too. Why did Grizzly get pulled? Why go back to a forward Clifton pairing that struggled in games one and two and struggled again in game six? Why is Trent Frederick your sixth leading goal scorer for the season a healthy scratch two games in a row. Like, lots to discuss, but yeah, a lot of it self-inflicted. And and I feel like they've, on the goaltending part in particular, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner um, by not being willing to make a change earlier. Yeah, and you mentioned, Scott, the the predicament that they're in for going into game seven. Like, there's so many people, I think the majority of people would rationally say, based on Olmark's performance the last couple of games, and let's face it, Game five, I'm not trying to pin a 60-plus-minute game on one player, but that was a game-costing mistake in game five. You score five goals on the road or in any environment in the playoffs, you should win that goddamn game. And he gives up six goals last night. He is absolutely the biggest reason that this is going seven games right now, it, straight up. But so, yeah, so like, do you just hope that, he, that he's ready to go for game seven like rationally, you want to go Swayman, but the reason that the only reason you want to go Swayman is for the reason you said he's just he hasn't played. So to sit on the bench for an entire series and then your first start is Game Seven. Good luck, pal. That's a that's a tough that's a tougher call to make than it should be because based off of Allmark's play, it should be an easy decision go to Swayman, considering that he's a very good goalie as well. But because he hasn't played, it makes it tougher. And we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Yeah, Bridget, do you want to follow up on that? <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff there there's so too, much because to because it is a tough call because like you mentioned he hasn't played in a while but then what if like so if he plays bad 
the season is over. If he plays well, what do you do next series? You ride the guy ball, yeah. So you, you open yourself up to so much criticism for how you handled it, no matter what goal you choose for game seven. Right. No matter, no matter what. And if you're all Mark, um, he had some more little comments after the game where someone asked him if he's feeling okay. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, and that's how he is. Like we said, that's how he is. Now, did that piss people off? I'm sure it did. Um, but anyhow, um, it did, it did kind of feel like wanting to brush, brush it off, but almost in a way that was not taking accountability. So that's probably where some people um, have, you know, are able to say, okay, I don't know why he's acting like this, but either way um, you're in a bad position. Cause what do you do for, for all Mark's mental sake and to preserve his, whatever, like um, his own, mental state and also like reputation or whatever you want to say, do you have to say he's injured in order to make the switch or can you just go? It's no, like it was just bad. Like I feel like almost they will want to go with, Oh, he's not a hundred percent. And then you open yourself up to why you're playing a goalie. That's not a hundred percent. So it's, yeah. it's a whole drama. Yeah. You, you just say you're going with the, you're making the decision you think gives you the best chance to win. You pull a Belichick, like, it's the place. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to give us details. You don't have to. Anyone, tell, they haven't. You don't have to tell me how injured Allmark is or break down every single goal he gave up. You just say, we're going with Swayman. We think he gives us the best chance. That's it. Like, it, you know, I, I would love if Jim Montgomery or even goalie Bob came out and like gave us a ton of detail and I could write four stories off it. But for the sake of like the team and, and what they're doing going into game seven, they don't have to explain any of that to us. So, like, I don't really care how they justify it or what explanation they give. Like, you just have to make the decision that you think gives you the best chance. And because Swayman hasn't played, like, that is an actual discussion. Um, you know, Brian, you're right. Like, logically, you'd be like, Allmark has had two straight bad games. Of course, you'd go to the other guy. But that other guy, has, like I said, has faced one shot and goal in a game in, in two weeks. So, um just to get it out there now, like I would go with Swayman. That would be my call mm -hmm. that I, I understand there's probably some rust, but you know, look, he's been in practice. He's at least been facing shots. Like obviously it's very different than a game, but I don't, I don't think you can risk going with Allmark again. I think whether it's physical, mental combination of both, he clearly looks worn down. His play has declined as the series has gone on. I'm not taking the risk of just crossing my fingers and hoping he figures it out for game seven. Like I, I think, I think you have to make the switch because if you go down, if you play all Mark again and he struggles again and now your season's over, like to me, that would be the hardest decision to explain is how did you, you had this other goalie who was just as good for over half the season how did you just go down in the first round without even giving him a chance, without even getting him into any of the games? Like that would be, I don't think you could possibly justify that. I I just feel, I, I understand that there's, I definitely feel a little bit uneasy putting Swayman into a game seven environment where it's, it's winner go home and he hasn't played in a while. There is unease there for me. 
But there is far more unease for me putting Allmark back in the net. I am 100% with you, Scott. I want Swayman in there. I also think Swayman is one of those goalies who he just – I think he I think he really relishes like the challenge of 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 doing something great and being in that high pressure situation. He's one of those crazy goalies that likes shootouts. He loves he loves shootouts. I just like I can't I can't watch this Bruins team have the season that they did and and go into game 7 with Olmark in net because I have zero confidence in him. And 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 maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. I will tell you this the Florida Panthers scored six goals on him last night. Of course, the seventh goal was an empty netter. I'm being generous here in saying that at least four of them I hated. They were bad goals to give up. They were shots from distance. They were shots that weren't like that great. They weren't that. I mean, the Montour goal, mm-hmm. the, 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 the first goal of the game was a bad goal to give up. The sixth goal of the game was a bad goal to give up. Yes, there was bad coverage down low on some of the Kachuk goals and this and that. But all, but again, I, I'm being generous. I might even say five of the six goals were bad. And I might say all six goals were bad. Like, he could have stopped all six of those. Like, even the Barkov one, it's, he's scrambling again. There was bad coverage in front of him. I admit that. But he was absolutely terrible. Terrible. There's This is one of those games where there's so much on my mind and so much on your minds. I... I'm getting like scrambled egg brain because I, I just want to – there's so many things I want to talk about. The, the the good news is we have plenty of time to do so. Ryan, you maybe Bridget, just go back to bed for a second. I've been, up, I've been up since 6 a.m. I've been, I've been, <laughs> I really have – I've been up since 5.30 this morning actually. So I've had plenty of time to stew on this. But Bridget, bef- at, at the at the risk of, of me rambling too much on Allmark and Swayman, what would you do for game seven? Swayman. Swayman, okay. absolutely. Swayman should have been in game uh, six at some point. Um, and – yeah, so it has to be Swayman, right? Um, I can't, I can't find a way to justify Allmark the way that he's been playing. I mean, and I know you can go, oh, Vesna Trophy winner, whatever you want to say. Like, best he was the clear number one going into the playoffs, but we always said one A, one B, and I do think Swayman is has the right personality to come in, um, and take care of things. Um, he has, you know, I would say he has a, a pretty different personality than Allmark where um, he, he's kind of, I mean, he's not snarky or anything like that. He's calm. He's very calm. And they, I feel like they need that right now. They need to know that um, obviously they've been making a lot of mistakes. They need to know the goalie back there can, can stop a few of their uh, mistakes from going into the back of the net. Um, so, I see Swayman as well. It, yeah. Yeah. And like, if we, if we look at recent history with the Bruins in the playoffs and potential goalie switches, I know new coach, obviously, right. Jim Montgomery, this is the first time he's gone through it, but goalie coach Bob Asenza has been there for all of it. And both Montgomery and Cassie before him often just defer to Asenza. So you can go, go back, Two years to when Tuka Rask is banged up, clearly doesn't look like himself, is struggling a little bit against the Islanders, and the Bruins stuck with him. They didn't go to Swayman. Swayman at that point was a rookie. He had played well in the regular season, but was inexperienced. Last year, we saw them willing to make a change. Elmark doesn't look great in the first two games against Carolina. They go to Swayman. Now, that change happens between game two and three, not game six and seven. So it's a 
it is a totally different beast in that sense. Um, but it's fascinating because like both both are on goalie Bob's record in recent years. One example of him probably sticking with his guy too long. Another where he was willing to make a change. So um, it's going to be fascinating. Like I, I think if you look at last year and you're like, okay, two tough starts in a row for Allmark led to the switch to Swayman. Well, two tough starts in a row for Allmark, even though it's a game seven to me should lead to the switch to Swayman. Like I, I get wanting to go back to him after one. I mean, look, they went back to him for game three after a tough game two, and it paid off. Allmark played really well games three and four in Florida and they get two wins. So in that sense, yeah, I, I would have gone to Swayman after game five, but I understand at least, I at least understand where they were coming from going back to him for game six, because they could point and say, well, look, we already showed faith in him earlier in this series and he rewarded us. Let's show faith again. But now it's been two games in a row. To me, you, you have to do the, you have to make the switch now. Yeah. And, and like, as I, as I think about last night, like the Reinhardt goal, I think in the, on the power play, he was all alone in the slot. I won't fault Olmark for that one. And the Barkov one was a scramble. I still think he went a little Tim Thomas for my liking in that, but those, those two goals, I will like, I will not solely blame Allmark for it, especially the Reinhardt goal. The other four, yes, there were breakdowns. Yes, there were giveaways, but that was just brutal. And I just feel like if this this series should have been over in five. I mean, who, like who who knows what happens in game five if 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 that blunder doesn't happen? Like the Bruins had the momentum in the third period. What I don't like about this team right now is that their situational hockey is brutal absolutely brutal they're doing defensively they're doing everything in their power outside of games three and four to lose this series they're, they're coughing the puck up they're careless but situationally the panthers are winning the series every time that there's that that one of the teams punches the other and the other one punches back the panthers get that final blow to it's not even just the amount of goals Olmark gave up and the team gave up it's when they gave them up you you you, you tie the game you give it back. You give them the lead back. You take the lead. You give the. You, it's it's tied twenty seconds later. That cannot happen. And there were other brainless mistakes too outside of Clifton and Allmark, like Lindholm. You just get a you just get a five four lead on a shorthanded goal, and you have nobody on you, and you just nonchalant clear the puck over the glass by about ten feet. What do you? And and they and then they score on the power play, tie the game. He's been brutal. I don't care what anybody says about the underlying analytics. Lindholm has been not great. He's had, he's had good moments. I'm sure he has some good analytics to back up to, to counter what I'm saying, but he has not been the guy that they need him to be. I'll just put it that way. The, the, to me, the, the Lindholm Carlo pairing is still the, like the least of my concerns, honestly, like they're, they're at least not getting scored on. Yes. I would like to see Lindholm do more offensively, but at least that pairing isn't giving up much. And Lindholm's clear over the glass aside. I don't think they're making the completely boneheaded turnovers that other pairings are making. Um, I thought, you know, like I, I mentioned, McAvoy and Orlov getting scrambly. I, th- I think McAvoy's obviously been really good most of this series. Orlov has been very up and down, and I thought game six was was a down game for him. Um, and Clifton, Clifton and Forbard just – not good enough. They've been together three games in the series and have been bad in all three. Like I, I don't get going back to them. I don't know what Montgomery is looking for there. Like I, 
before the game, I on Twitter, like I put it kindly saying you're you're conceding too much defensive zone time by putting that pairing together. Like you're basically just accepting that most of their shifts are going to be in the D zone. And as you can say like, oh, well, we trust them to make the right plays or whatever. Well, they haven't earned that trust in this series. And you're against a team like Florida that is gets right on top of you, that's fast and aggressive and, and physical. Like you're opening yourself up to the possibility of more mistakes. Like they're the more time you spend in your zone, the more chances that you're giving the Panthers to get on top of you and force those turnovers. And the, then the Bruins are committing turnovers even when they're not right on top of them. Like it's 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 so frustrating. And um yeah, so like I I didn't I didn't get that move. And you know, there's plenty of other stuff we can talk about forwards up front. Like I actually thought I thought Krejci looked pretty solid in his turn. I thought that was the Bruins. Can, best I, can I can I just jump in before we go to Krejci? Yeah. Um so in terms of the defenseman, uh I feel like the one move that Montgomery made during the series that made a positive difference was when he brought Grizzlick in. And then he put Grizzlick right back out. And and the reason why you bring Grizzlick in was obvious and it was um transition and you know puck moving and and we we know what kind of defenseman Grizzlick is. Um and that McAvoy Grizzlick pair has been good. So, you know, that that one change I feel like was the best change he made. And then he reverses it. Um, and not saying, you know, we, we said last podcast, Oh, probably time to get Clifton in, but we didn't see that Clifton. We, we saw um, Cliffy hockey, the, the bad version, as he would say, because um, he told us he doesn't like that nickname because the connotations it used to have, which were the ill-advised penalties um, the you know, the turnovers, the, the, that's what we saw from him um we yeah, had too aggressive like yes well bridget um, we also bridget we also we also made that comment with the asterisk that was unspoken that like yeah we want clifton back in but not at the expense of grizzly we want him back in at the expense of forbert yes yeah um and that this is a move that was just clearly from the beginning didn't work i mean he gets a charging penalty he had two field clears that led to goals. Um, that pair was on the ice for a few of the goals, at least two, like I said. Um, I'd have to double check. I'm pretty sure it was more. Um, and it was just an all-around rough night. I would say Allmark was a very clearly rough night for him and Clifton as well. Um, probably two of the, the biggest culprits in the loss. Why, why, why do you guys think he took Grizzly go because I was trying to figure this out and one thing that came to mind is like were they pinning that overtime turnover on Grizzly like d- in their minds did Grizzly not communicate well enough and is that why because like I didn't see anything else in game five where I was like boy Grizzly looks rough out there like you might have to sit him down so I, I was trying to think like is it just that mistake or is there some other reason for it because I like at no point was I thinking, you know, that might be a lineup switch you have to make. Like I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I missed something, but I didn't think Grizzly played poorly. He didn't. And while the rest of the world was was saying that that play is should be mainly on Olmark, I, I I did hear, and it may have been on it may have been on EEI radio, but somebody, 
I'm not sure if it was on the morning show, if, if Greg said something or somebody, somebody heard something from somebody that internally the Bruins viewed that as more of a, of, of, of a, of a blunder on Grizzly because of what you said, Scott, like a lack of communication. And, and, uh, and if that's why they sat him out because of something that really should, I mean, come on, the goalie has to be responsible for, for the goalie playing the puck in that situation. But I mean, I, that's all I could think of Scott, other, because other, other than that blunder, to your point, I thought he was playing well. I think Greg does know someone in Grizzlick's camp. If I recall correctly, Greg has had other insights or, or re- like reports or whatever about stuff that um, involved Grizzlick. Yeah. Greg, Greg was the one who reported last year. I think that like Cassidy had gone on Grizzlick and Bergeron had to step in. So yeah, Brian, I, I do know what you're talking about. I think, I think that was Greg. I think it was that show. I just don't know why to your, to your, your comment on past episodes, like the best five on five D pairs that they could have the best, the, the best six guys for them would be in, in no particular order, but McAvoy, Lindholm, Orloff, Carlo, Clifton and Grizzly. I just don't understand. I understand. I understand. And I'm trying not to be hypocritical because there have been points throughout this podcast in the recent weeks where I've, I've, I've wanted somebody's number in the lineup, like Forbert, for example, earlier on in the series or Cliff uh, Grizzly at other points. And last episode, I wanted Clifton in, in game six, but, but every time that, every time that, that Montgomery ends up putting somebody in that we actually wanted to put in, he's not, he's taking somebody else out that we wanted to stay in. And it's, and, and I just, I could, I was so like annoyed when I saw that Clifton and Forbert were the pairing instead of like Clifton and Grizzly or, or whomever. I just, I, I didn't want Clifton and, and, and Forbert together and I like whatever. So. And the Frederick know, thing, the Frederick thing also puzzles me. Well, and to that point, Bridget, so Frederick Frederick comes out because Krejci's back in the lineup last game, right? So Frederick comes out, Felino stays in, and I wanted to ask you guys, that second giveaway that led to a goal by Clifton, the 6-5 ultimate game-winning goal, I definitely think Clifton, when the puck's on your stick and you don't have that many people on you, you gotta make you got to make sure it gets out, 100%. And I think he prematurely dished it to, to Felino with somebody on Felino's back. So I would put a lot of the onus on Clifton, but I think I think Felino deserves some some significant blame there too because the puck was on his stick and he did not protect it at all. And next, like the the pass from Clifton was taped to tape to Felino. Would I have recommended that pass in that moment of time? Not necessarily, but things happen quick, and that's a play that, that that's a pass that happens all the time. I mean, I think Clifton should have taken the ice that was given to him, or at the very least, lost it out of the zone, make sure it gets out. He didn't. He gave it to Felino, but Felino coughed it right up. He was unaware of who was on his back, and that, that puck did hit his tape blade on his forehand. So I feel like Clifton is being a little bit of the scapegoat there, which he should be, but I think Felino should wear some of that too. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I actually, like, next next chance where, where I'm not talking, I want to look at the replay because I was wondering, like, if Felino had a chance to come down further in the zone. And I want to watch to to see like if he just came off the bench and and you know to the blue line is as far as he could get. That's one thing, but like if he just posted up there, that's exactly where the defenseman's going to be to try to keep it in. So I was wondering like, did he have a chance to come to come down the wall at all? But either way, yeah, it seemed like you know the safe play for Felina would have been just chip that, like just you know get your stick on it, whack it further make sure it gets out of the zone. 
And, you know, I don't know if he was trying to catch the pass, handle it, whatever. But, yeah, he obviously, like, he had a defenseman right on him, and defenseman wins the battle. You know, puck stays in the zone. So, definitely fault on, on both. I, I do still put most of it on Clifton because it's up to him to recognize the situation and realize there's a guy right on Felino and that might that's not a safe pass. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, Felino could have done more as well. And not, but not even just like a mistake, like not even just taking out him out for a mistake. I think Frederick has more he can give than Felino does in this series because both Felino and him are physical and, you know, they can, they can play that style of game. So, you know, that's the same, but Frederick plays sometimes on the penalty kill. Frederick can play more minutes. Felino, we mentioned last game, didn't have all that much time on ice. Um, Frederick can play on the fourth line, or if you need to shuffle him around, he can play with Coyle. Um, like he, you, you have a guy that you can move to more places and expect to do more things and possess. I think his puck possession is better than Felino's. I think he, you know, um, he is pretty strong when he has the puck. I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of reasons why Frederick um, should have stayed in. And I know it's a tough call because, you know, you're, you're talking about taking out Felino, who's a veteran and that you were like, you, you count on him for some of the stuff on the bench um, the same way you would for Bergeron. But um, I just feel like Frederick gives you more options and he was getting under people's skin and he was taking Kachuk off his game at times and, and, um, he was playing that game right back with some of the agitators in uh for Florida in the early games in the series. So um I and I think I've said nothing but positive things about Frederick for the most part this series. And um he ends up out of the lineup. I think Felino would be the natural one to take out um at this point. But we're talking about more adjustments based off of past mistakes and everything and the the only problem is now it's a game seven and your adjustments better work. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, we're, we're talking in a, a post an end of the season podcast, next podcast. And we're going to be talking about, Oh, you know, this, this adjustment and that adjustment should have done this. Should've. I don't know. Yeah. And, and so, so I did just rewatch that goal. Felino definitely had a chance to come further down the wall. I don't really know why he was so high in the zone on that. So um, definitely plenty of blame there. The refs also missed a trip right before that. Shouldn't have mattered. Bruins still should have made the, the clean play, but um, yeah, anyways. You guys want to switch over to like, the, the annoying part about games like this is obviously so many goals. There there were positives that you could see throughout the game, but then in the post game, nobody wants to talk about that. Like Posnuck was asked about his crazy sick goal that he put between his legs and, you know, Pasternak has two goals. Bertuzzi has two goals. DeBrusque has a good goal. It's just all of that got buried by the mistakes and the loss. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, just quickly before we get to some of those on Frederick versus Felino, like I, I get the argument of, you know, Felino's a veteran leader and you want him on the bench, but it, it reminds me of the whole like David Backus debate in 2019 of like, well, you know, just his presence helps you. And it's like, well, it really hasn't like, you know, the, those playoffs had gone on long enough. That series had gone on long enough that I think you had a pretty good idea of like what David Backus could bring at that point. 
and there wasn't going to be some magic formula of him giving a speech on the bench. And it's not a direct one one to one comparison. I think Felino, when he's been healthy this year, has brought more to the table. Um, but he's, I think he's struggled the last couple of games. I thought it seemed like he started to get going game three, maybe game four, where he, he found a little bit of the speed that maybe wasn't there right away when he returned from the injury. But I don't think he's been much of a factor the last couple of games. So I wouldn't hesitate to make that change. Like, I, I, again, Frederick had a really good season. I like what he brings. He has more offensive upside. Yeah, he's not, you know, the Wiley veteran. Maybe he might not even be quite as physical as Felino, but I, I think he should be in the lineup. Like, I, again, he was six on your team in goals this season. It's, if you go down with him sitting the last three games, like that's a very fair, not second guess because we first guessed it, but um, yeah, I would, I would definitely be getting him back in. So off the top. And I, I, I would too. I mean, I, I think that you, you bring up David Backus. I, I still remember at the time thinking that game seven at home, Stanley cup finals against his former team that he was the captain for. I just remember thinking like, I don't know. He could seem like the kind of guy that just gets like a, a goal off his skate in a game seven because he went to the right area. So like I am trepidatious sometimes about leaving out a, a, a veteran like that who's who's very, very experienced and, and and might be just the guy to get that dirty, lucky goal in a, in, in a tight checking game seven. But to that point, like I I, I don't know, I, I, I do I do definitely – I do see Frederick being being a, a an all around better contributor. Again, thing with him is it's like similar to Swayman, not nearly as similar, I guess. But he's he's been out a couple games here, so will he be rusty? Whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for that. But off the top, I I, I mentioned a little bit of optimism because there were some positives, and and we're not done with the negatives yet. So listeners, don't go away if you want us to just keep oh, keep crapping on them. Oh no no no, there's pl- there's plenty to go over still, but um. Bridget, you mentioned you mentioned David Pasternak's two goals, Tyler Bertuzzi's two goals. So obviously a huge positive I was referring to was David Pasternak, kind of Babe Ruth calling his shot in the media scrum before game six. And he went out there and had two beautiful highlight. Well, the second wasn't a highlight road goal, but it was a good finish. But the first one was a thing of absolute beauty. And Tyler Bertuzzi made up for his blunder in game five, and he had two goals and 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 uh Another positive for me is that the Bruins, because offensively, the Bruins clearly offensively did enough to win that game. And, and that's 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 excluding the the goal from Brandon Carl that got taken off the board because of the Jake DeBrus can pass, which let's just say it now, as annoying as it is, as much as it didn't affect the play, it's if the puck hits your glove in any way, shape, or form in the offensive zone, they're gonna call it a hand pass. You get in, you get into intent, and maybe maybe intent is in the rule book. I don't know, but I knew that was coming off the board when I saw that his glove. But in any event, the Bruins, if you want to include that Carlo goal, they found a way to get six pucks past Bobrovsky. Obviously, only five counted. And what's even better is that they were able to do it in all facets of the game: shorthanded, penalty, uh, power play, and five on five. And the power play went three for four, and it wasn't a fluky three for four. Like earlier on in the series, we had mentioned. Okay, yeah, they went two for four, but there were goals in transition, and the rest of the power play outside of those goals looked like crap. The power play looked dangerous in game six, and they went three for four, and that's a major positive for me going into game seven. It looks like the Bruins may have found something and some personnel to go, to go with in game seven. 
Yeah, definitely. I thought, you know, I thought the power play had started to show some signs where like they're at least getting better entries and getting into the zone. Um, game six, you saw good entries and good in zone setups, movement. Uh, like you said, the three goals, which is kind of just another reason, like it's so frustrating that they lost this. Like you basically, you won the special teams. Like you, you got three power play goals. You got a shorthand goal. Yes. You gave up two power play goals as well, but you still end up a plus two special teams. And they were the best, the Bruins are the best five on five team in the NHL all season in terms of goal differential. So to lose a game at five on five for not the first time in the series is really frustrating to see. Um, but yeah, pasta not getting going huge. You know, I wasn't, as we talked about in the last podcast, like I was not as down on him as a lot of people. I thought he had to be better, of course, but I didn't think it was, I didn't like him being called invisible. Like I didn't totally agree with that assessment. Um, but regardless, he's he's a goal scorer. So unless he's scoring goals, he it's fair to criticize him. Um, so big to see him get going. You're right, he did did kind of call his own shot. Although, like if you if you listen to the audio, it wasn't it wasn't like the most confident calling of his own shot. He kind of just like slipped it in there, whereas like and it's gonna be tomorrow. And, and but it was like. But he, at the very least, like he clearly wasn't worried. He he was straight up asked if he was frustrated. He said no. Like he he admitted he had to shoot more, um, Which and work to get better shots because he had gotten a lot of shots blocked. But he seemed to have like a good feel of like what he had to do. Like he he wasn't panicking. He wasn't. It wasn't like throwing his arms up. Like oh, I've I've no idea what to do. Like they're just taking me out. It was like now just gonna work a little harder to open up shooting lanes and be a little more aggressive and um you know i think i think you saw that not not just on the two power play goals but like i said i thought that line him Krejci, and zaka the reunited check line i thought was their best line at five on five they created the most chances um by far of any of their lines so that was encouraging to see like i said Krejci was part of that he looked maybe not vintage crazy maybe not you know true playoff crutch quite yet but he definitely looked better than games one and two. So it seemed like the the rest and recovery time did did him pretty well. Now, do you guys think that was Pasta's like prettiest goal this season? Because it's got to be yeah, up there. Probably. I can't think of. I'm sure I'm forgetting so, like something that's comparable. But that was he I had mean, one. In, he had one in Seattle where he danced uh, on the road in Seattle. He danced somebody pretty good coming down the left wing boards. Um, I think it was Adam Larson. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, Pasta was just so fast. He goes out. Yeah. I didn't even have time to think about it. I was just doing it pretty much is what he was saying. And he said, I don't think I've ever, cause, cause he also lifted it like <laughs> incredibly, like he was able to, to lift it pretty high. And he's like, I don't think I've ever like roofed one of those before, <laughs> like short I've side too, before, but short side, top shelf, all, I think what you're trying to describe Bridget, which is like what I was thinking too. It's, it's like, what's the right word for it? It was just so fluid. It was you. I think he used the word fast, but like the way he did it, it was just so so fluid, so smooth, so quick. It's like he didn't wow. think about it; he just did it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that was great to see. Great to see. And then, well, so what was the so the power play unit that was that was really clicking was McAvoy up top with Bertuzzi net front, Bergeron in the bumper, and then Marshan and Pasternak moving up and down the the flank. So 
Uh, clearly, the biggest difference there was Lindholm wasn't back there. I know they've been interchangeable throughout the series, but that was the five-man unit when it which just was really clicking last night. Yeah, and I think you know the other change is normally during the regular season it was DeBrusque at the net front of that unit, and you know he there are times that DeBrusque was really good there, but Bertuzzi definitely brings a little bit different of an element in particular, the playmaking in close, because we've seen this a few times now where he gets that puck right on top of the crease and makes that backhand pass, almost no look over to Pasternak. And like, you know, DeBrusque brings plenty of pot. DeBrusque was really good on retrievals. Um, you know, he'll battle at the net. He's we've seen him score on like stuff attempts before kind of like the one, you know, Kachuk scored on, on Ulmark. Um, but that playmaking out of that net front spot from Bertuzzi is different and unique because a lot of the guys that get put net front are, you know, bigger bodies and they're just there for tips and rebounds. Uh, it's, it's rare to have someone who can make good passes out of that spot to, to set up goals. So definitely love him there, especially the chemistry with Pasternak. I'm able to get it over to him. So, yeah, that, that unit has looked good and obviously, you know, keep that together uh, going forward. Yeah. The, that second unit didn't even really get a lot of ice time because they're scoring with that first unit before the second unit could even get out. So like, I feel like we watched mostly just first unit power play um, because they were so effective. They didn't even need to send anybody else out after. So um, to the Bertuzzi stuff, uh, he on that path, like, I, I've said this, he loves that freaking no look backhand pass and it can work when you're right near the opposition goalie and go yeah. ahead. <laughs> it looks, it looks pretty when you do it over there. Just don't get good on, good on the power play bad in your own zone. Yeah. Like, can we just say this is an offensive zone pass and that's it. And really you have to be pretty deep down near the net. Don't do it at the it, it looks good when it works. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'm fine with them doing it there because the risk of it um, going wrong is so much less uh, when that's the area on the ice you're doing it. Um, and he fixed his mistakes. I think he cleaned up from the mistakes he had been making in uh, games four and five. Was it four and five? I don't know. There were a few different games where he was making some turnovers that were questionable. Um, I think he cleaned that up. And we got to see that line, the mythical, um, we didn't know if it was even real, um, line with Hall and Coyle. And it worked fine. So, um, and like you mentioned, you like to see him with Pasternak. Well, they connect on the power play. Yeah, and and, and that's something to think about maybe going going forward into future seasons. But we'll see we'll see what the what Don Sweeney tries to do in the offseason. I I I, I want to get your a sense of how you guys feel now because the I'm all year, especially towards the, the last month of the season, when we knew playoffs were approaching the sentiment was among all of us, like, I'll be honest, but the sentiment was like, I just can't see this Bruins team losing four of seven games. They lost three times in a row. Once all year, they never like, they, they just, they always found a way to respond. And for a team to do that against this Bruins team seemed insurmountable, especially in the earlier rounds. Right. But I ask you guys now, I also don't think they've ever lost this season, three games in three home games in a row. 
Well, hopefully that's not the because case. Because that would forward. be what would have to happen because it would yeah. be game two, game five. And if they lose game seven, then that would be three home games in a row that they, I doubt they've done because just think about how few losses they have at home this year. So, so I have, I have my, I have my reasons why I'm still confident that they'll win game seven. I have my reasons for optimism, but I also have my reasons for skepticism. And I kind of want to get a sense of how you guys are feeling. Do you feel now that this Bruins team can indeed lose four games in seven? And what, what worries me the most, and if you hear any noise, it's just uh, my ice machine is just going crazy (laughs) in my fridge. So please, please be quiet. I'm recording the podcast. Thank you. Um, Uh, what, what what concerns me for this Bruins team right now is that they've just been so close multiple times now at winning this series. You you talk about the Brad Marchand breakaway. Literally in the final second of Game 5, that could have won the series. You talk about overtime in Game 5 where they had a chance to win the series. You talk about being up by a goal twice in the third period mm-hmm. or once in the third period in twice. Game in, so, and it, it, yeah, twice on the Pasternak power play goal and then the, the DeBrusque shorthanded goal. Mm-hmm. And it's like the DeBrusque, the, both of those goals, you see the Bruins, how they, how they celebrate those goals. It was like, they just felt such joy and like, they were so alleviated because they were like, all right, we got the lead. We just got to lock it down now for whatever it was, 12 minutes when Pasternak scored or eight minutes when DeBrusque scored. Like they, it was so within their reach. And you could tell how excited they were that they were they were just this close to doing it. That's a devastating way to lose. And to come back home now, I they're gonna say all the right things in the locker room. They're gonna be ready to go. But you talk about momentum in a playoff series, it's all with Florida right now. And how do you, how do you guys as individuals feel going into this game seven? I'm gonna be honest, I don't feel good. Uh I, I I'm trying to track my feelings over the course of this weekend. Last night after the game, going to bed, felt really bad looking ahead to Sunday. I woke up this morning. I I still feel bad. Like it it just it it does not feel right. They these wounds don't heal overnight, Scott. I I did not see this team making this many mistakes, getting pushed to the brink by the Panthers, not being able to close out when they were up three to one. Um and the again like the personnel change is not working montgomery seemingly losing the magic touch he had all season you know i know we talked about like all the line changes he made before game five and how those didn't work and he switched in half a period the defensive decisions sticking with elmar too long backing yourself into a corner there like florida Florida has all the momentum. Florida has everything going. Like it's clicking for them. Their best player, Matthew Kachuk, in my opinion, has been the best player in the series. Um, Bobrovsky was obviously really good in game five, not very good in game six, but still better than Allmark. He's mm-hmm. been better than Allmark the last two games, um, you know, in total. And it, like that's one thing that's amazing. I was looking up like save percentage for the series now is basically even, like, basically exactly even. I did not think at any point when we were previewing the series that goaltending would be even. And after seeing like Alex Lyon struggle early on, like I thought that was such a huge advantage for the Bruins. It, it should have been such a huge advantage for them, and it's now been a stalemate. Um, Do you think just, it's a pressure I, thing? Do you think this is like a cracking under pressure situation? It might be. I mean, 
yeah, like if if you're succumb, succumbing to pressure, you might be more likely to make mistakes for sure. So that that could be part of it. Um, in which case, like I don't understand why they would feel that though. Like you're up three one. You won two games without Bergeron and Krejci in the lineup. Like how the, the pressure is definitely on now. Now that they're going to a game seven, absolutely. Like all the pressure in the world is on them Sunday, and how they deal with that is going to be incredibly fascinating to watch. But there shouldn't have been pressure for game five. There shouldn't have even been that much pressure for game six. You're still up three games to two. And you're going into a building where you've already won twice. Like, if if it is pressure, to me, it's until that, up to this point, it's pressure that they've put on themselves without needing to, really. But now, now the pressure is very real. Like, now it all, like, the weight of history and the season and the last what, it would, what it would mean for the future and the potential end of careers for Bergeron and Krejci like that's all on the table now and it's they're gonna feel I would assume they're gonna feel all of it like it's at least gonna enter their heads so how they deal with that on Sunday is gonna be unbelievably interesting to watch yeah well and do you think maybe this is where you go okay well that home ice advantage really, you know, this could be a situation where the home ice advantage does the trick. And that's why you uh, go and win the division. And that's the advantage you have rather than the curse of being the president's trophy winner is that you have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. And in game seven is where you really notice that home ice advantage for the most part. Um, And they've been so good at home all season. It just, it just, not been the same in the playoffs and Montgomery said um almost in a bewildered way playoffs is a different beast um and there was a time in the middle of the game he was throwing stuff on the bench which we haven't seen um he lost his cool (laughs) and you know he didn't throw anyone really into the bus after the game which is a difference between Cassidy might have called out Clifton or you, you never know um but Cassidy's already on to the next round by the way uh and it just was I don't know about you, Scott. Scott and I are at most. Uh, Scott, have you, maybe he's been at all. Maybe not. I th- actually, you were sick one time. Me and Scott are at most of the Bruins home games, and I do not recall any other time during the regular season where they looked like this. And it was like almost like I don't even know what I'm watching, um, especially in that game too. And that just kind of feels like what what where we're at right now. It's like, I'm not sure what I'm watching. I'm not sure what Bruins team this was because it didn't show at, really at all like that or even just like a period of that maybe here and there. But in 82 games, this isn't who they were. So that's that's the problem. And that's why I don't trust going into the game into game seven because we know what they can be, but they haven't in this series. And you give Florida a little bit of credit with the pressure and – that they've been able to put on. Um, and they were clearly a better team than the Penguins because the Penguins would not have pushed seven. I, I highly doubt uh, this, this series would have been, I might've predicted a sweep if, if it were Penguins. Um, maybe the Bruins should have let the Penguins beat them. The last meeting of the, of the season. Cause then this would be Bruins Penguins right now. Um, just food for thought, but yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely confident. No, I do feel a lot better. If swimming is the goalie, I will tell you, like the fact that if we find out before the game at some point Saturday Sunday, as soon as I find out it's Swayman, I'll feel a little better. Yeah, I mean the key word that you mentioned, Bridget, that stuck out to me was regular season. 
like that that's why that's there's a it's 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 such a different nothing matters in the regular season the only thing that matters about the regular season is winning enough games to get you into the into the playoffs and and the reason that there's probably a president's trophy curse isn't because the teams that win a president's trophy aren't good teams and don't have the best rosters. It's that when you get that much of a lead in the regular season, simply put, the games down the stretch don't matter. They don't matter to you. You're in the playoffs. You know you're in the playoffs. Florida has been playing with a desperation for months now that no matter how much the Bruins say the right things and want to play like the games still matter and want to keep good habits – Nothing can emulate desperation. Nothing. And Florida's been playing with that, trying to make the playoffs for months. The Bruins, as much as they've been saying, we want to keep playing the right way, we want to keep looking at small goals ahead of us to keep themselves invested, their playoff hopes were never on the line, ever. So they've been in first place since the beginning of the season. And 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 you see that. Like you the, the they're tightening up and they're playing careless. And and yeah, I don't look, I don't feel there's good news and bad news. The The bad news is that I don't feel good going into this game. The good news is that usually when I feel that way, the Bruins actually do what I'm hoping doesn't, d- doesn't happen and they find a way to win. But like, do you guys remember, I think it was, a, I think it was like during our se- our series preview, I mentioned something like the Bruins, what scares me is that the, like if the Bruins go down a couple games or whatever, or they're in a bad situation, like, they can go out there and play a perfect game and still find a way to lose because that's just the way hockey is sometimes. I can very much see the Bruins go out in game seven and and dominate. I can see them out shooting Florida 45 to 26. And game I can five they outshot heavily. Yeah. And I and I can and I can see I can see Bobrovsky just standing on his head. I can see a power play goal for Kachuk in the middle of the second period that takes the crowd out of it. And then I can see a tense Bruins team in the third doing everything that they, 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 can, they can do to empty the kitchen sink to try to tie the game. And what's unfortunate now is that the Bruins have made themselves vulnerable to this. They've made themselves vulnerable to becoming one of the most notorious teams in the, in the history of the National Hockey League. Going into this game seven, objectively, when you have the most wins in any regular season, when you have the most points of any regular season team, and you're on home ice in game seven in the first round, and you have a chance to lose that, the Bruins, this Bruins team, and this is going to be fair, too. This is fair criticism. If they find a way to lose this series after the season that they've had, after being up three games to one, and they lose this game seven, they will absolutely deserve every bashing that comes their way. The the Adam Joneses of the world, the, the, the Mike Felgers, everybody, anybody who, and sorry to cross-reference, but I'm going to do it because we're Boston and it's, everyone knows who we're talking about. Everybody who's been critical of these of this team, and we all say, can we just see it happen before you bash them? Like, can we at least, like, they will be justified. They, nobody, I don't want to see Adam Jones in the office. Uh, if if goaltending is the reason why they lose the whatever series, you, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> what everybody says, what everybody says is, no matter how well the Bruins play in the regular season, no matter how many 60-goal scorers they have, which is just one in Pasternak, like, no matter how fun the regular season wins are, they always say, I just don't trust them. And if the Bruins lose this game, I'm sorry. You can sit there and say Allmark porked them, and he did in, in games five and six. But over the course of seven games, you cannot blame one guy. The defense has been atrocious outside of games three and four. 
And that's falls on everybody, the goalie included, but everybody else. And they, if they win game seven, I think you, you, it could be a good, obviously it's a good thing, but you, there, there's the adversity, right? That they, that everybody said they didn't face all year. If you, if you avoid a first round scare, you get through it, you shake off those cobwebs, you say, okay, Toronto or Tampa, like that's like, then you can get yourself going. Don't cut yourself off at the knees before this playoff series, this season can get started because boy, this is going to be one hell of a predicament if they lose this game tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, yeah, tomorrow night. A, a few points there. So first off, yeah, if they lose, it's absolutely an all-time choke job in Bruins history, in NHL history, in Boston sports history, maybe even larger, just the entire sports history. Like it's, you're an all-time regular season team. You're up 3-1 on a team that had to scratch and claw just to make the playoffs. Like that the and and it's been so self-inflicted. Like this isn't it's not yes, the Panthers are a good team, but it's not like fluky like oh well, we got a bunch of injuries and you know whatever. That like they've actually gotten guys back during the series. They've gotten healthier as the series has gone on. Um yeah, it's so it absolutely would be. And anyone who wants to rip them, like everyone else, either just avoid them or, you know, accept that it's justified because it will be. Um, as far as, you know, they can play well and still lose. I, in the scope of just one game, I can live with it. Like if they play their best game and Sergey Bobrovsky just has the game of his life, there's only so much you can do there. But I will come back to, something that Andrew Raycroft said on EI this week, which he was talking about the 2004 first round when the Bruins were the two seed against seventh seed in Montreal, were up three, one and blew that series. And he said, it's not game seven. I regret presumably because he felt like they played a pretty good game. He said it was game five. I regret when, when they got ran off the ice five to one and just didn't seem like they were ready for that game and that chance to close out the series that opened the door for that Montreal team. They came back and won the series. If you're the Bruins yet just for one game, you could live with giving your best effort Sunday night and coming up short. Cause Bobrovsky's unbelievable. What they can't live with, what they shouldn't be able to live with is what has happened in games five and six with all these self-inflicted errors that have allowed it to go seven games in the first place. That's what they'll look back on. It'll be and game two. Yeah, in, in game two. And that, so that brings me to the last point, which is the the desperation of the Panthers versus the Bruins and being more playoff ready. To me, I thought the Bruins learned that lesson in game two. Like, I thought that was the wake-up call of like, hey, guys, it's the playoffs. This is different than the regular season. Wake up. I thought they got that message. I thought it sunk in because they played so much better in games three and four. And that looked to me like a team that, all right, got the wake-up call they needed figured it out, was ready to now play playoff hockey. I don't know what games five and six have been. To me, like that the the Panthers were the more desperate team down the stretch and the Bruins didn't have anything to play out to play for. To me, that's gone by games five and six. You've played four games of playoff hockey. You're in the swing of it. You're in the series. I don't know what has caused these last two games and all these mistakes. So yeah, it's 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 all on the line for them. It's like you said, it, it can either be, all right, they overcame adversity, they survived a scare, and 
the run's back on. Let's get ready for the next round. Or it is going to be regret that they are all going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. If, if they find, if they blow this, like that's, he's not wrong. <laughs> if this is, I know, like, the way if this you is, said that though, if, if this but, is Bergeron and Krejci's last run, Scott, like, I mean, imagine if that's how their careers ended. And so, you yeah. and you you hear it from you hear from guys who've been through this like they all they all know you only get so many chances at this. I remember Martian in 2019 talking about how how much he regrets 2013 and how he thinks about that even more than 2011, even more than winning. Even if you have that experience, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna, you know, lose a big game again. Like they didn't win in 2019 and there's no guarantee that they're going to win tomorrow night just because they have good leadership and they have guys who have been here. Patrice Bergeron, this will be his 14th career game seven tied with Zidane, tied with Zidane Chara for the most ever. Doesn't guarantee they're going to win it. Like this, this group has lost game sevens before they've lost them on home ice. So well, they had it on Nessa the other day it was um, the there in the last five game sevens. They've lost three. Yep. And like what 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 what's again? It's just like this roster that Don Sweeney put together. If this if the Bruins lose this series, what nobody should say or second guess is, well, Don Don put together a losing roster. No, because mm-hmm. let me tell you something. This roster is so deep, and they have everything. They have skill. They have size, they have speed, they have physicality, they have leadership, they have experience, they have everything. And if this team goes out in the first round, and with all due respect to Matthew Kachuk and Barkov and Reinhardt and Sam Bennett and Brendan Montour and Ekblad, like those five, six guys, all due respect to them, if you go out there and this team, Patrice Bergeron's career potentially ends after this season at the hands of a washed-up Mark Stahl, a Nick Cousins, a Colin White, a Sam Bennett. Is Sam Bennett going to be the reason that the Boston Bruins become the most notorious team in the league's history? If he is, if this Florida Panthers team is the reason, then then this Bruins team, shame on them. That's all I have to say. And, and, and the Bruins crowd tomorrow is going to be so nervous. God forbid if Florida scores the first goal. Scott's not even going to be able to eat his popcorn. His stomach is going to be all in a knot. It's just it's it just shouldn't like and I hate to like what we haven't done enough of on this episode is praise Florida for their resilience and their desperation and their stick to itiveness because yes the Bruins have been shooting themselves in the foot and they've been handing Florida opportunities but to Florida's credit they've been taking advantage of them and 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 they went down three to one. Yes, they're absolutely over. Matthew Kachuk is the entire series has been overplaying the whole like nobody thought we were gonna win a game. Like he, they are playing up that underdog card. So you can bet your ass in the locker room before Game Seven, that team is gonna be like, boys, let's let's go make history. Let's go be that team to be on the right side of history. And the Bruins, on the other hand, are gonna be. It's gonna be a very nervous crowd, and it's gonna be a very nervous Bruins team. Yes, it better be a loud crowd. Well, I'm you sure make, yeah. you've got to make home ice advantage, home ice advantage at some point. The, the, I guess the thing for me is like the Bruins desperation level should absolutely match the Panthers because the both team seasons on the line. The question for me is, does this, does this Bruins team know how to play desperate? 
Like, like, do they know how to execute when they're being desperate? You know what well, I mean? Like, so far, the answer is no. Well, they haven't had their season through, on the line. Florida two, has. No, I'm saying through two out of three games. Yeah, um, you're right about that. And but I wanted to this I, this popped into my head a few minutes ago. Where this is still the same topic. Um, Florida not only has clawed their way through the regular season to get that last spot, but they've also been in that position in this series, and they've proven to themselves that they can do it with their backs against the wall over and over and over again. So they're already in that mindset, our backs against the wall. We're going to claw out of this. Bruins have not been in that position all regular season. And this is the first time in the series that their back is against the wall. Um, So there's just a lot, a lot going into it. And we're not psychics, um, obviously. And 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 maybe another under discussed part of this going into the series was the, the Panthers weren't scared of the Bruins because they, a couple things. One, they played them well in the regular season. And as much as I personally don't really think regular season matchups carry into the playoffs and mean, mean a whole lot, it does at least give the Panthers something to latch on to and say like, look, yeah, they were the best regular season team ever, but we played with them. We, we were right there. And then the other part of it is they were the President's Trophy winners last year and they got swept in the second round. So, like, I can see them spinning that as, hey, when the President's Trophy doesn't guarantee you anything, we we learned that lesson last year. Maybe it's time for them to learn that lesson. So I I do – the Panthers do deserve a ton of credit. Like, they haven't been afraid. They didn't roll over when they were down 3-1. Obviously, we focus on the Bruins side of it because we're a Bruins podcast. That's what we do. Um, but, yeah, it's it has been impressive by Florida, and if they pull it off – like they'll have a spot in history as well, but unless they go on to win the cup, like they won't, they won't be what's remembered. It'll be the fact that the Bruins collapsed and blew it. Hey, to to my defense and Bridget's defense, we wanted the Islanders. We, the, the, I, I didn't. No, to be, I'm just, I'm more so being tongue in cheek, but because Bridget and I didn't think the Bruins would lose to Florida, even if they played them. But I, I, I really, I just saw. Did I see seven games? I mean, not necessarily. I, I did predict six, but I just thought, I don't know. I, I I just saw that this Panthers team was a lot better on paper than what their rec- their final standing was in the regular season. And, and yeah, they did win a President's Trophy last year. They learned a hard lesson. You sub out Kachuk for Huberto and Wegar leaves and a couple other smaller pieces like Giroux, but he was a de- they were already ahead of the rest of the league when they got Giroux last year, and he didn't do anything when he went to them. So this Panthers team, like, they were very good on paper. They just underachieved for the first half of the year and 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 whatever. So and they just um, started peaking at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet it still should have been a five game series. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. It hasn't been right. That's. I mean, you got to the why. Why are the Bruins making these mistakes? No one's literally the word is unforced, right? No one's forcing them to do, to do these things. Why? are they caving under under pressure of the, of the lights are they like there's a reason for it i don't know what it is it could be a combination but the fact of the matter is it hasn't been one mistake it's been countless and it's like if the bruins are as good as their record indicated you shouldn't be making those like you shouldn't be making those so something's got something's off with this bruins team and and i don't know um well, it's like it, my question is where did the chemistry go, right? The mistakes sometimes come from not knowing where your teammate is on the ice, like not not being on the same page. Like those are things that you had 82 games to work out. 
But when you make a lot of line changes at the end, I understand Bergeron being out, Krejci being out um, is part of that that you have to try to work around. But it's like the chemistry went out the window at some point and these mistakes pile up because of it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But then, like, there's still the ones that are just completely unexplainable. Like, that Clifton pass in the neutral zone last night, I, I've i rewatched that a couple times, and, like, I still don't even know what he was going for. Like, I don't even know where, what he thought he saw or who he was trying to make that pass to. It was, it never had a chance of being completed. And, like, that's, and he wasn't under pressure. That There was nothing going on. It was just totally unforced mistake and as much as like you want to say oh maybe you know there have definitely been miscommunications in this series so you know if you want to point to maybe guys moving around or whatever but pretty much everyone has played with them for the most part there's been a couple new combinations but you know for the most part like everyone's played with everyone there should be some level of of comfort there and they, you know, like I think of last game where there's that, I think it was um, Orlov and Coyle, I think like lost a battle or no, Forbert and, and Coyle lost a battle on the boards and the puck squirts out, but Sam Ben ends up scoring from the slot and neither, like Forbert and Felina both seem to expect the other one to be picking up Bennett and neither one did and he ends up wide open. And it's like, well, there should be chemistry between Forbert and Felina. Like those are two guys who have been playing all year. So like what's, what's their excuse for a miscommunication? They've been on the ice together plenty this year. And those are just like structural things of just how they're supposed to play in zone. Like that doesn't change from line to line or pairing to pairing. Like their, their structure is the same. Who is supposed to be going where and picking up who like that's, that's consistent across the whole team, especially in the defensive zone. Different lines might have different options and abilities to be creative offensively. But defensively, like the structure is the structure, the system is the system. That it doesn't, it shouldn't really matter like who you're on the ice with. It's the same assignments across the board, pretty much. So personnel-wise, can I just clarify where where we all stand going into Game Seven? We're all on the same page. Swayman in for Allmark, Frederick in for Felino, and Grizzly in for who? Forbert or Clifton? Clifton. I'm That's going. I'm going Cliff. I'm going Clifton just because of how bad he was. But do you? But do you think six. that Clifton's one of those guys that bounces back after something like that? I kind of think he is. I think he's more of a liability than forward. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fair about based off game six. I mean. Yeah, especially coming off game six. Like go, going into game six, I was team Cl- put Clifton in over Forbert. I didn't think either one. I didn't think either one was especially good in game six, but Clifton was definitely the bigger problem. So I'm fine taking him out. And then either, you know, Orlov or Grizzly goes on their offside, probably Orlov. Cause he's, he's done that more. So yeah, my, my defense for game seven would line up Grizzly McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Orlov. Okay. I hope one note on, on, on Carlo and Forbert. I, I hope they're really attentive in, in watching their PK tape because on that, on that game tying goal from Kachuk, go to five five in the third period. He had all the time in the world to just walk in and get his own rebound on a very basic play, good play, smart play. But Forbert and Carlo have like a combined wingspan of like what, like twenty feet, and like not one of them like 
closed in on him. So yeah. maybe maybe keep an eye on that on that guy in the goal line. Yeah, that was really annoying because the the first jam attempt, that's on the goalie. You you let the goalie handle that one. The rebound, someone's stick has to be in there. Like that's that was bad. Yeah, you're right. Like neither one closes in. It's like how Kachuk could have had a third whack if there was another rebound. Like there was way too much space there. Yeah, that one. That one. I'll, I. I also will not put up t- entirely on Olmark. I didn't like the timing of that. For, on I, I still. Part, but... I still didn't like it from Olmark's perspective either, though. Like those. Those jam plays. You got to hold your ground and keep it out. Like he. He sent the rebound right back to Kachuk's stick, and then he's not able to get to the other post. Like so, I still didn't like it from for him either. I, I By the this... way, Bergeron. Bergeron had a save at one point where it got past Olmark, and Bergeron stopped it on the goal line and saved it. Uh, I think in the second period, but it was earlier in the game. I know, I know we've gone longer than usual. Can I just bring up one more thing that annoyed me last night? Just one more thing. So I understand last year, Bruce Cassidy was potentially a little bit of a bad cop in the room and it wore on some players and that part of the reason that Jim Montgomery, aside from his hockey mind, let's not overlook that, that the Bruins hired him was for a culture change in the room more positive reinforcement, more good cop, more, you know, I'm going to massage your shoulders after a good play type type coach, right? And I'm not I'm not saying Jim Montgomery has to change his stripes just to keep it to, you know, Tiger references since he's such a big Tiger fan. But um, after last night's game, one of the first things he said to the media was, well, what a great hockey game that was. That's just, that's mm-hmm. playoff hockey at its best. And what a great game that was. And I, do I think he really meant that? No, I think that in his mind, he was he was very pissed off about how his team played, and he was trying to give off a, a positive, happy-go-lucky, like, let's not panic here. We're going home to home ice. We earned it all year, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But don't condescend everybody in the media and in the fans that are watching that interview by trying to trick us and deceive us into what a great hockey game. If you weren't a Bruins fan or a Panthers fan or a Bruins fan, objectively yeah fun game to watch for a neutral fan got it but defensively your team was atrocious so i'm not telling you to go out there and go all bruce cassidy on on them and by the way bruce i love you congrats on going to the second round like bridget said but can you at least just be like we need to be better like it wasn't our greatest effort we're gonna we're gonna focus on addressing that and going to game seven do you have to be like what a great hockey game. <laughs> I feel like it almost comes me. from I feel like it almost comes from not knowing how to react in these situations because they haven't been in it and also not knowing exactly what to do about some of the mistakes that happened. Like I guess that's all you can say when you don't really you you don't like have the ability to put your finger on just like one thing or another and in that it's just kind of all coming at you so fast. What else do you say? Um, I guess he hasn't been put in that situation in a press conference for most of the year. So this is different. This is different for him to handle as well in the post game. Yeah, yeah. And I know on Sunday, Bruce Cassidy is going to be sitting at his house in Vegas, just, just like Scott, just with the popcorn in hand and enjoying whatever, uh, whatever he sees, and I don't know if he's rooting for against the Bruins. I gotta imagine it's uh, against um, for a lot of reasons, but uh, yeah, no, he he's gonna he's relaxing right now, um, and his former team is kind of in a in a panic. Yeah, and you know, Bridget, to something you referenced earlier, like 
I don't I don't think Jim Montgomery thought that was a great hockey game after the Kachuk goal where he's throwing his water bottle on the bench. He he no. didn't seem to be having a good time then. So um yeah, it was it was an odd tone and I think it it does stem from like him always trying to project that positive energy and the you know, we're not panicking. But it still came off as odd. And there's been a couple times this year where like his tone is where he maybe doesn't come across the way that he means to. Cause like, I don't think he was, you know, I don't think he was trying to sound like all bright and cheery and like, wow, that was just a wonderful night. But like, it does kind of sound that way when you. I just love just... so much that I was entertained, even though we yeah. lost. I mean, all, all Mark pissed me off too. Like after game five, Bridget, you mentioned, or maybe Scott, maybe it was you, but you mentioned like how, how after the game, I think it was you, Bridget, after the game, mm-hmm. he was, Obviously, it was a massive blunder. All eyes are on that play. It cost him the game, blah, blah, blah. And, there, and somebody was like, like, how do you feel? How are you feeling? He's like, he's like, he's like I'm good, thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah, which, yeah, is like, yeah. which is like fine in that situation because it's one big play that he's trying to kind of poo-poo and like shake off. But last night, he's doing the same thing after giving up six goals. And he's like, I'm good, thank you. Feeling good. It's like, dude, can you just like say you have to be better and just like just at least look like you're pissed? I know you're pissed. Yeah, like at least but, Swayman goes. Swayman goes. You know, you just gotta put it behind you. Blah blah yeah. blah. Like, but you can tell well, it by his demeanor, he is it mad at himself. Well, and it makes me seem like he's. It makes me seem like he's. It makes me feel like he's rattled. It makes me feel like he's overcompensating for how rattled he is. Whereas, like, if you're like even keel and you're just like, and you take a little bit of accountability and you're like. Yeah, I just gotta be better. Like I, I need to be better next game. But like when you're when you're going out of your way to give the perception that everything's okay, I ma- it makes me feel like you know everything's not okay and you're trying to overcompensate. And that makes me worry. Well, and, and I will say, like, I've you know, a lot of people have made the two garas comparison in the sense of like they don't sound mad or concerned after bad losses or whatever, and almost a little too nonchalant. And at least say this Rask, when he had a bad game, he took responsibility for it. Um, he, he was honest and he would say like, yeah, like a, that was a bad goal for me to give up. I had a bad game. I have to be better. He would do that. It would go largely ignored by like sports radio in particular, but I was in a lot of those scrums where two did that. He was also brutally honest and would sometimes blame his defense. If it was the defense's fault. So he was, he was just honest both ways, but you know, for people who want to make that comparison, like Rask would at least take it on himself and say he had to be better. And you're right. Like we haven't really heard it from Allmark. I personally, like, even as a member of the media, I, I don't really care. Like I don't mind how goalies react. They're, they're weird people in general. So if like, if this is what works for him, then, then so be it. But I absolutely understand why some fans might not like what they're hearing. And by the way, this is consistent with how he's been since we met him. Um, like he, he likes to be sarcastic. He likes to give answers that you can't use. And you're like the quotes that you can't use because they're literally, he means the exact opposite. Um, he's done that to us a few times. I've gotten, he's given me some sass in the past. Um, so yeah, this, he was given off major sass. Now I feel, I don't feel as bad that he gives me sass um, because I saw him give so much worse sass after game six. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can rub people the wrong way for sure. I don't like how he handled it. The funniest thing is my, my mom, she, she loves the goalie tandem. She loves, you know, the, the hug after the game. She was so pissed off 
at Allmark and the comments that he made after the game, like being dismissive that she was like, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> um, so like, I know he doesn't probably realize what the perception is when you do stuff like that. If it's, if it's genuine and he really just seems like he's, he's all good. Like it, like, like shit happens. That's one thing. I just, I feel like I said, I feel like he's overcompensating and trying to give off a perception. Like, you know, that, you know, that funny video that went viral like years ago of like, the little like seven or eight year old kid and and the reporter goes up to with the microphone and and she's like she's like do you miss your mom and he's like no and he's laughing and then he <laughs> and he starts crying that's what <laughs> that's what all mark like is reminding me of where it's like he's after after these games and he's like i'm good thank you feeling good yep why do you ask like after giving up six goals and it's like i just feel like he's going out of his way to and i think it's bothering him more than 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 he's letting on obviously and i feel like Sometimes it's like just, yeah, just like be honest, like tell you, tell, you know, just be honest and and don't be so like it's okay to be it's okay to it's okay to take accountability. No one's gonna crucify you for like looking upset after a game or just or just looking how you would normally look. Like you don't have to like put on a fake face for everybody. Like it's not it doesn't matter to us. Like I don't know, just like grieve and figure and move on. I don't know <laughs> or get pissed. I do think he thinks that he's getting the point across with his sarcasm, right? I but feel like the, he thinks he's point, getting though? the same point across like that. Oh, obviously like you guys already know the answer. So I'm just going to give you this sarcastic answer because you guys really know in your, in your own mind and you don't need to ask me um, what like to answer about it. Like we all saw it. Like, I feel like it comes from that kind of a place where it's like, I'm going to give you a snarky sarcastic answer because everybody knows what happened. And I don't feel like I, I want to talk about it. That's fair. Maybe, maybe I'm reading a little too much into it. I guess I just I just hope that he, personally he's not like behind closed doors. I just hope he's not rattled. I don't care what it, it, it's. It doesn't matter to me how the media feels, and it shouldn't matter to him how the media feels. Like it doesn't I just, matter to him. I just I just don't want him to. I just want him personally when he goes home at night preparing for Game Seven to not be rattled. And I was just trying to figure out if him being overly positive after a clearly bad couple of games wasn't it was sarcastically positive though it was definitely sarcastically positive okay well then might be a moot point because i think we all want swimming in game seven and like (laughs) it because god god forbid if if all mark starts in game seven and gives up a an early goal like then what do you do now you you take them out you make that switch as early as you need to 100 percent. i agree with you i agree with you but don't put your if you're gonna do it just just do it just get him in there to start the game don't even give yourself a tough decision to make you know it doesn't it doesn't really seem to be in their dna their dna though like they've been so hesitant to make a change in goal and it's 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 very surprising to me because they should have had total confidence in both goalies going into the playoffs and their action, like the way that they've handled this series, I wrote this in my column this morning. They, they've treated Allmark like he's a true workhorse number one who doesn't have a capable backup. Like they've approached it almost the exact opposite of what the situation actually is, which is a historically great goalie tandem where, yeah, one is probably a little better than the other. But it's gonna it's gonna be fascinating. It's gonna be. Super interesting to see what they do. Don't hang them out to dry. So I'll, I'll ask I'll ask you guys right now before we sign off. Are we going to be previewing a second round series of the Bruins after Sunday night? I already started writing 
something for between rounds. So I hope so. <laughs> do, you, do you think that work will be uh, for, all for naught? I might just have to throw that in the garbage. <laughs> do you I... think you'll have to? What, what do you think, Bridget? Do you think they're going to win? I honestly, I, I, Brian, I couldn't tell you. I could go three overtimes and, you know, everybody. You have to make a pick. Hey, people no, want to hear I you. No, I don't have to make a pick. We Bridget, can... Bridget, Bridget, let, let, me, let me explain something. Right now, all the listeners, right now, you, me, and Scott, we're like flight attendants on an aircraft. As long as the flight attendants are still walking around, passing out snacks, no one's going to panic. So you do need you to give up. Do you know how to land perception. a plane, Brian? Because I don't know how to land a all plane. I know, all I know how to do is is go like this and, and, and signal to the exits and pass out Cheez-Its. I'm not pretending to be the <laughs> pilot. I'm just being a flight attendant so that the listeners can have some zen in them uh, oh. leading into this game seven. I don't if we panic, they're going to panic, Bridget. That's all I'm saying. I think everybody's, it's like those masks are coming down from the top of the plane and we're all like t- trying to fasten them onto our faces or something. <laughs> well, let's just hope you're not in one of the emergency exits. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, oh, I, 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 I said I was feeling bad. I, I feel like the plane's going down. I, uh, guys, come on. I re- Look, can't be, can't I, I don't, like I don't that. want that to happen. I want to keep covering this team. They've, it's been a really fun team to cover. What, what are the um, odds the Panthers win three games in Boston in a row? Something's got to – I've already bro- said that about a few things, and I've been wrong, and now I just I don't want to listen. It, of, of all the reasons why this needs to go to another round, working with the people that we work with is the number one reason for me. So I don't have to, I don't have to deal with their – and it's not just going to be this year. Every year from now on will be – Oh, well, they choked before. They're going to choke again. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. So, Well, I, for what it's worth, I think I think the Bruins are still going to be playing until June at least. Um, obviously, you know, if they yeah, lose I, if, I if they lose tomorrow night, if they lose tomorrow night, burn the tape. I never said that, obviously. Okay. Yeah. So. I purposefully booked my vacation in August instead of June because I was like, hey, you know, I've booked a vacation in June before. And what happened? They were playing in the Stanley cup in 2019. I was in Hawaii for most of it. And the Stanley cup got brought to the office and I didn't get to touch it. I'm still mad about that. So, <laughs> well, and I'll also say I, Saturday morning, I, I feel bad if I have to pick right now, I hate to do it, but I'm picking a loss, but people should tune into Sunday skate Sunday, 10 AM. Me and Razor, maybe with 24 more hours, I'll, I'll feel better. We'll, we'll have to see. Why is it a six thirty start time? By the way, that's so random. Why not? Yeah, seven? it's good. It's, I don't know some TV thing because they also have the Avs cracking game is nine thirty. Maybe, maybe they didn't want that to be a ten o'clock start. At least get some East Coast viewers or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. By the well, way, Rowan fans are going to bed uh, if that's a <laughs> loss. And uh, yeah. There's no, they're not going to be watching no cracking hey, game. Hey, honor, honorable mention, by the way, to to Jack Edwards for his his goal call on Jake DeBrusque's shorthanded goal. That was that was that was an all time goal call. I think it was just he just, he just screamed. Yeah, was, I don't even know if he said words. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he he sounded like yeah, it was like it was like a baby making sound. So I don't know what the hell that was, but we, we've talked about enough bad things about Jack this year. That was that was a good that was a good Jack moment. That was that was funny. Unfortunately, the Bruins had to go and ruin it, and that wasn't the ultimate game-winning goal call, but that put that on the highlight reel. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Do you guys want to recreate that call? Do we all just want to scream? You know no. something? No, people already commented on our YouTube that I have a, a terrible voice or something. So oh, that's <laughs> I not nice. Refrain from screaming. Also, Brian has RBF, apparently. I guess I can just smile <laughs> the entire time I'm not talking. I'm, 
<laughs> I know. What, what 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 do they say? Like, don't you know you're on camera? It's like, listen, we've been doing we've been doing the skate pop for two years. We just started YouTube. Like, I yeah, just I look. You should have seen what I looked like before we were on YouTube because I did not. I just came in like my robe and like no makeup and like a hat and I looked like shit. But now I have to put makeup on for this. So you're yeah. welcome. I'm going to just do the, uh, I'm going to paint my face like Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker so that people just think I'm always smiling at Scott when he's talking. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I genuinely don't know what to do. And that's like, if you guys are talking, what's that's the RBF is resting bitch face. That's what I understand. Yeah. And usually it's me that I get told I have because I'm in the background of all the like Bruins videos, like, looking like i don't know like i i hate life um but you want to know what though everybody likes scott see now that's not scott true because no criticism ever it actually i feel like it started with me being criticized but now it has completely shifted to you guys so i must have done i must have done mm -hmm. something right but that's too likable I, I, th I think people should keep that up i encourage them <laughs> to well, say very nice things about me and be, yeah. be mean to Brian and Bridget. They, could, they, they couldn't. They couldn't see Scott because he was pixelated for six months. <laughs> that's <laughs> also true. Either. They couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't see. Yeah, his they didn't even know I was face. here, so that's why they weren't talking about. <laughs> like, oh my god! It's like who's that? Who's that blurb just talking <laughs> half the time? Anyway, um, keep the comments coming. We love them. I guess. Oh uh, yeah. Bridget. 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 Don't make uh, me delete any. Yeah, she monitors them, so that's that's why Scott and I hear about them because she she'll just text us these random things that mm -hmm. make us laugh. But mm -hmm. thanks, we guys. Love, we love all the listenership and viewership, of course. Um. So, anywho, uh, Bridget, hand hand on the dial, finger on the uh -huh. dial. You guys have anything else you wanted to say? No. Nope. Okay. Well, fingers crossed that this isn't the last skate pod episode. At least talking about a Bruins. Uh, series outside of predict, the first round. Yeah. yeah, I guess analyzing what they should do next is what we're this. Mm -hmm. Don't let it be the last time. No. So for all of you listening, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday and enjoy your Sunday. Go Bruins. We will talk to you all very soon.